that when we grow up, we need to go to college and get a good job. But all it seems that college did was just prepare us to get a good job. To be caught up in life's rat race, the hustle and bustle of hustling another dollar for profit, in which another profits. And by next payday, purses and wallets are filled with lint. And dream catchers become dream passers, allowing dreams to pass through clenched hands filled with sand, blowing along the winds of time for another's hands to grasp. See, because we are taught and told how to be good workers, but not how to make our dreams our goals. We are taught and told how to be good workers, but not how to make our dreams our goals. Because we have been led to believe that dreams provide empty stomach, shattered hearts, and broken promises on misses on opportunity for good job stability. Taught that fulfilling your dream comes on a wing and a prayer, but dare not become a lazy worker. Life becomes consumed by 10-hour work, days paid not your worth and wage, trapped in cubicle box like cage, trying to fit the standards of corporate America. And when you're all used up, they get rid of you, only to be faced with the dream you left on the shelf, not listening to self on how to make it work, but being influenced by other people's words, penetrating your psyche, believing that they're your own thoughts of all life is about. It's just going to work. Work without a purpose is superfluous. You not fulfilling your dreams is cursing the ancestors because their life lives on through you. And your dream is a piece of the puzzle to be construed, not concealed, but to be shared with all so that truth may be revealed. So get up off your butt and chase your dream. Get up off your butt and catch your dream. The illusion of life is not what it seems, and success comes with the attempt of your dream. So dream. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. This is Master Griot Radio, channel 13 on your NBBTA internet radio dial.
I'm Jacqueline Taylor Adams, and I am your host for this moment in time. It's time for purpose-driven words, shaping thoughts, building minds, true wealth, communities, and legacies. If my words had wings, they'd fly to you each day. Radio. Good evening. This is Faith McKinney with Beyond Talk Radio. I want to welcome you. I am America's number one personal media and brand strategist, and I am here along with our producer, Ms. Jacqueline Taylor Adams. She is uh, our producer extraordinaire. We have a wonderful show for you tonight here on Beyond Talk where we want you to be moved to do. Beyond Talk is the Black Economic and Entrepreneurship Development Conference and Expo, and this is the official radio show. Ms. Jacqueline Taylor Adams, are you here today? Well, she might not be here with me right now. We are uh, also joined by Mr. Jason Moore, who is listening on the line. Um, Beyond Talk Radio is uh, coming in since to hello? Hello. Jacqueline Taylor Adams. Okay, I'm sorry. We have Mr. Chuck Jackson on the line. Our guest tonight is Chuck Jackson. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm going to go ahead and introduce you. Uh, Thank you. Here on the talk. And we have Ms. Jacqueline Taylor Adams as well. All right. Well, Mr. Chuck Jackson, his formal training is in the law. He utilizes his legal background. He utilized his legal background for over 10 years. He's been able to create or assist in the creation of ventures that impact what he loves. First, it's Domain Detroit Wine Festival, which was created to pursue his goal of establishing an annual wine festival in Detroit, Michigan. Second, his domain Detroit has morphed into an in, morphed and evolved into Verandi Domain Detroit Productions, which is a joint venture with the Verandi Consulting Company and Event Planning Enterprise. Verandi Domain Detroit organizes wine and spirit tasting events in the Metro Detroit market. They organized winery and distillery tours for groups and individuals. And third, he created Domain Detroit Brands, LLC. And that's to have a vehicle to eventually make and or import wines and spirits. And he wants his life to embody these following quotes. And I think these quotes are really, uh, really on point. Entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs are simply those who understand that there is little difference between obstacles and opportunities and there and are able to turn them both into their advantage. And that was Niccolo Machiavelli. The second quote is success is walking from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Isn't that right? By Winston Churchill. And the third is talent is God given. Be humble. Fame is man given. Be grateful. And conceit is self-given. Be careful. And that's a quote from Mr. John Wooden. And with that, I welcome Mr. Chuck Jackson on the line. Mr. Jackson, how are you tonight? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. And I really want to get into your story. Um, It's so fascinating that uh, you are in the wine business, and can you tell us a little bit about how you started um, your journey? I know you can. You started in the law, um, but tell us yeah. how that evolved. Well, actually, the I discovered over time that the law actually came after my love of wine. I just didn't, I just didn't understand what my real passion was until uh, about 2001. I'd always been a wine enthusiast. And, and a foodie for most of my life, but it was 2001, me and my ex-wife took a trip to Napa Valley, and when I just 
the minute I touched down in, into the vineyards in Napa Valley, it just gave me such peace. I was wondering what was that about, and I didn't really know, but I understood once I started tasting the wines that I could uh, expose other people to what I was feeling. And that was my goal from that point on. How do I turn this into a business? How do I uh, how do I make money bringing people to wineries or exposing them to wine? Because being a black man, there were not a lot of uh, wine drinkers that I knew that were black. And then after I came back from Napa, I discovered that there are a ton of black wine drinkers. It's just the fact that a lot of them are not out and about. So that particular thing, my 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 whole journey has just been strange. I just realized that a friend of mine told me in college that he figured I would be running my own bar, and I always at that time I was I had been accepted to law school, and I'm like going, so you see me running a bar, but I'm on my way to law school. <laughs> but but I but I see now that you know there was a bigger plan, I guess, for me, which is I got into the hospitality business through Marriott. And I realized I did like serving people. and But there was something about the wine education portion. I always found people that wanted to learn more about wine. And for some reason, because of the things I had done over that period of time, I had uh, created a level of knowledge that I didn't even know until I joined the wine tasting group back in like 2003. So everything has morphed, morphed to where I am today with Domain Detroit Brands where now I'm actually consulting restaurants and projects that are looking to incorporate wine and spirits into what they're doing. And I'm helping them develop their wine and spirit lists and training staff. And, you know, all of that basically came out of a trip to Napa Valley. Wow. So you were able to find your sweet spot, so to speak. Well, how long, I, how long I, did that journey take? Well, the journey took a long time <laughs> because I, I, you know, to date myself, I graduated from undergrad in 1984. Uh, I went to law school uh, from 84 to 89, graduated, practiced a little bit, but ended up uh, just working for the court system and becoming uh, and getting into management of the court system. But along the way, like I said, I just developed this uh, developed this affinity for wine, and I developed a following of people that basically said, or they always said, I know more than everybody else they knew. Since then, I've met a ton of people who know way more than me, and I'm learning from them. So uh, the one right. thing I can tell anybody that is an entrepreneur, if you are in a business where you're consulting anybody and you think you know everything, that is when you're going to fail. Oh, wow. That sounds like experience talking. Yeah. You, this is – I am constantly reading. I am constantly learning new things. I am constantly being exposed to new wineries, new methods of production, uh, new brands, um, because when they first contacted me about this show, they were talking about innovations and wine and spirits, and I'm holding a bottle of something called Cicero Rum and Coconut Cream Liqueur that uh, uh, a sister makes in the U.K. Um, I don't know how I stumbled upon her, but we became, I believe we became friends on LinkedIn, and Julie and I have been talking off and off for about a year online, and she's been trying to get her stuff into the States. Right now it's not even in the United States, but we're working I'm working with her now to get this into the United States. It's a very unique brand. She is from the island of Dominica and she has a family recipe of rum coconut cream that she has bottled. She's actually mm-hmm. selling it in Europe now. But she's trying to get it into the US to broaden her market and to really uh make her true niche. And so I met her in Long Island over Labor Day weekend. I mean, I drove 10 hours just to get two bottles of her rum coconut cream oh, wow. so I could taste it and bring it back and see if some people would be interested here in the metro Detroit area 
And Julia basically has me now trying to work with distributors from different states to drive the market so that she can get it into the importer and then we can break this brand and break this brand in the United States. So basically that's kind of sort of what I do. Stuff that's not in the United States yet, I try to drive demand so it gets here. Wines that are not, I started out with wines that are not in the state of Michigan and trying to get them here so that people could taste them. So that's part mm-hmm. of what the Man Detroit Brands does. If you talk about innovation, I'm all about the new. Exactly. That's fantastic. So um, <clears throat> that really, you know, you started in law. And yes. how did you create the business model? Were you in a business law or, or you know, how did you figure that out, how to, how to well, monetize your love and passion for wine? Well, my... Uh, I was in basically business law. I really started out, my goal was to become a sports and entertainment uh, agent. Um, So all of my classes were in uh, drafting contracts, business law, torts, um, negotiating business agreements, all all of those things that you need to represent an artist or an athlete. And once I got out, I started to realize that that could be used because one of the things that athletes or athletes agents were doing with a lot of athletes were once they were drafted, setting them up in nonprofit organizations or setting up corporate arms so that they could become their own, so so they could really establish their own brand. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I studied a lot of corporate structure, uh, and I discovered how easy it was to set up to set up corporate vehicles so that you could go and do the things that you did. So I've done I've used vehicles such as partnerships, but lately I've been using the LLC vehicle. And I initially developed my LLC because I was working with a bunch of people that wanted to open up the first minority-owned and run winery in the state of Michigan. So first I started out with Domain Domain Detroit uh, Vineyard and Winery. And once I started the LLC, I then moved it to, uh, since I knew I was going to have to have a vehicle that could possibly uh, move wine outside of the state or whatever, that's when I came up with Domain Detroit Brands. And uh, when the winery uh, uh, basically fell through, the the project fell through. I just uh, I just decided to just use the Domain Detroit Brands as my consulting arm, and the consulting arm, like I said, we do restaurants. Uh, we also work with, like I said, brands that are not in the state of Michigan yet, but want to come into the state of Michigan, and then I help them market. Once they get here, I work with their distributors. I work with whomever I need to work with to get their brands into restaurants and retail stores and stuff like that. So what do you find, um, well, for other entrepreneurs who do have um, maybe a recipe or, uh, you know, something that they want to get at, get out into the marketplace, what type of uh, – consultation do you think they should should have? Should they just call you? Should they call an attorney? And if so, which which type of attorney uh, should they use to structure their um, their business plan? Well, uh, the way I basically started was I basically, first I tried to find out and I found out wine was my passion and it drives me more than anything else. So once I found out that wine was my passion and I was trying to find a way of monetizing that passion and making it a profession, I then started to find mentors. And the mentors were winemakers and uh, wine retailers, wine and spirit retailers, uh, because two of my greatest mentors, uh, one is John Burka and the other is John Jonah. And I met John Jonah when I first started doing wine facilitation, which was basically 
facilitating wine tasting events and explaining what wine comes from where and how it's fermented, how it's made, where it comes, where the grapes originate from, and all that good stuff. And John Jonah was like the first person that I actually saw facilitate a wine tasting. And a lot of what I learned from him uh, moved me to the next level. John Burke, on the other hand, was started out as a winemaker. Now, he is a true entrepreneur because he started out with a small winery in southwestern Michigan, and he has now morphed that into, what is that, a microbrewery, microwinery, and microdistillery and restaurant all in one in Jackson, Michigan. Wow, that's really, that's cool. You know, I, right. I uh, have never heard of African-Americans in the wine business or even owning a vineyard until the other day. Uh, there was a young lady named Lauren Mylan uh, who owned okay. a, a, a a vineyard in Virginia. She was about 19 years old when she purchased her her um, the property, and she developed it into a full blown um, vineyard, which she sold for uh, quite a lot of money. So I'm, well, I'm excited to know. Well, I can give you, have, you, have you numbers. I can give you tons of examples of African Americans that are in the wine sure. business. One one is Mike. Well, excuse me. One is Max McDonald. He has a winery or a vineyard in Windsor, California. Um, he is the preeminent Pinot Noir maker um, to the point where his lowest price Pinot Noir a number of years ago was selling at $30. I think his top one was somewhere around 160 to $200 a bottle. Um, wow. Um, then you have the Sterling family. Uh, the vineyard is called Esterlina, and they are like the oldest and I believe largest black family-owned winery in California. And I believe because they're the largest and the oldest in California, they're probably the largest and oldest family winery, black family winery in the country. Um, and I've known um, – their marketing and finance guy, Steve Sterling, for, for, for years now. Great guy. Well, what is it? They so have there Brown are several. Oh, yeah, Brown mm-hmm. Estates. Um, you have, what is that, Rideau Vineyards. Uh, Iris Rideau founded the vineyard, and she established everything, and I think her daughter has taken over for her. And they're in California as well. There's actually a group called the... Association of African American Vintners, mm-hmm. and most of the wineries I've mentioned are either members or have been members. And then you have Sharp Cellars, which is in Sonoma, uh, and that's Fat Sharp who runs that. And one of my new running buddies is Andre Mack. Andre Mack is a black sommelier who started at the French Laundry in California when the restaurant decided to open up a flagship restaurant in New York City. They actually moved him from California to New York. He then lived in Brooklyn and started at the French Laundry. I think he eventually left the French Laundry. If I'm not mistaken, he opened up a wine shop in one of the boroughs in New York. And then he just decided he wanted to make his own wine. So then he tried to figure out there are several places to make wine in the country. Where do I want mine made? So the bottom line is him being a sommelier uh, or a certified wine expert, he knew the various growing regions, and he basically settled on Oregon. So you have a, a black man in Brooklyn making wine in Oregon, and now it's it's actually being distributed distributed all around the country, and I think he's now gone international. Um, his brand is called Mouton Noir. And Mouton. his brands are Mouton Noir, and his brands are very distinctive. Um, he has a red blend, I believe it's called Horseshoes and Hand Grenades, he has a Pinot Noir that's called OPP, which stands for Other People's Pinot. 
<laughs> um, He's creative. <laughs> he has, I'm trying to remember what the blush is called. His rosé or blush, I think, is called Love Struck. Um, and then he has an unoaked, I think it's an unoaked Chardonnay that he calls Knock on Wood. Oh, wow. So, um, and Andre is just phenomenal. He's probably one of the most, everybody that I've mentioned uh, that are African-Americans in the business, the ones that I've met are extremely down to earth, extremely down to earth and extremely approachable. Uh, and I think most people find wine um, intimidating in some cases. And mm-hmm. that's always been my goal is to make wine is to make wine less intimidating and more accessible and less bougie. <laughs> less uh, less bougie. Less, but less I, bougie. I do have a question. I have a question. So you mentioned these wineries and what is it that and I know they have the, the Vintner uh, Association, but how else can, what other ways can other African-Americans find out about these wineries and um, engage in them? Is there a directory? Do they just look up African-American wineries? Bottom line is I've always, I depend upon, excuse me, I depend upon Google, LinkedIn, and a number of other resources. Uh, mm-hmm. to find the things that I cannot find. And I'm always amazed at who I'm able to find. Um, I actually connected with, um, who is that? Selena Cuff is part owner of an called Heritage Link Brands. And their focus was to... Um, Basically, import wines from the from the African diaspora. In they started with South Africa, and where they brought in a number of South African brands that were made by Black South Africans. And so I was looking. Um, I hadn't spoken to Selena in a while, so I was googling to find more actual Black winemakers in um, South Africa, and I ran across a brand called Black Elephant. And I think there's three owners, and one of them is a black South African. And, um, in fact, I think one of them, their surname basically means black elephant. So Hmm. that's basically how they got the brand. And that's another brand that is not in the United States yet, and it should be here um, uh, because I actually – when I Googled it, I actually found a video of some Americans that had actually gone to the winery in South Africa, and they were tasting at the winery in South Africa. And I was like, well, dang, let me see, you know, if they have importation into the States, and if not, are they trying to get importation into the States? And they do have an importer. They started to import, I think, only into New York and I want to say like Florida but I'm trying to get it here in Michigan. And so I'm working with the I'm working with the importer to see if we can get a distributor in the state that's willing to distribute it. That's amazing. So I know there are African American wine tasting societies all around the country. Um are you able to um connect with them with the vintners or is this something that they're just two totally separate entities and there's no communication? There is always, with always been some sort of connection with black winemakers, because in fact, the first black wine tasting group that I joined, that's how I found out about Mac McDonald and Vance Sharp and Steve Sterling, was through their organization. They made it a point of seeking out black winemakers and then uh, showcasing them at various events around the country. Uh, because the first group I joined was called the African American Wine, I think it was African American Wine Tasting Society, AWTS, mm-hmm. right. and that was founded by Renee Rowe down in Atlanta. And when she founded that organization, that we were, I think Detroit became the first chapter outside of Atlanta. 
and then they branched out so quickly that they had a branch in Dallas. They had a branch in New Orleans. Um, I think when it was all said and done, within about a year, they had about seven branches in major cities in the United States. Right. And, I know they have one in Indianapolis as well right. that's still growing. Right. So um, getting back to the wines and, and the appreciation and, and uh, of wine, how is uh, are there a, a number of sommeliers, black sommeliers that we don't know about, and how does one go about becoming a sommelier? Lord Jesus, um, <laughs> I am always coming across black sommeliers. In fact, I was just watching the movie Psalm. I cannot remember this brother's name, but he is. To be perfectly honest, he's so pompous as a change, but he's really good at what he does. Um, but Andre Mack is the one that I know, that I know really well. And I've, I've been blessed to have been able to have access to several uh, local master sommeliers. Some of them are black, but um, that's basically uh, – Basically, to become a – let me go to your basic question, which is how do you become a sommelier? It's basically a certification. Um, you have – I believe there's one particular organization, I think it's called the Court of Master Sommeliers, which has testing on an annual basis at various locations in most regions. And you basically go into levels – like you'll have a level one, a level two, and bottom line is you end up testing to be a master sommelier. And I want to say probably right now there might be 300 in the world. Okay. African-Americans or black sommeliers? No, there's 300 total master sommeliers in oh, the world. Oh, wow. 300 total master sommeliers. There's a ton of, like, first and second level sommeliers. Because if you're if you're doing wine service at a restaurant, excuse me, most people or most restaurants want you to get that certification, primarily because that's something that they can market to their customer base and saying we have a sommelier on staff. So they want you to get that certification, and they encourage you, and in some cases they may even pay for your testing and pay for everything you need to do because in most cases – depending upon where your restaurant is, let's say you have, you're have you working at a very established restaurant in Grand Rapids, but the test is being given in Chicago. You, you know, you're going to have to go all the way to Chicago, get a hotel, and go through all the testing. Not to mention the restaurant is going to hopefully um, invest in you to the point where they will buy and let you taste certain wines so that you can get ready for the testing. Uh, because so there is a process. There's a, a, well, a stringent process. A very stringent process because um, sommeliers basically, they're supposed to know about wine. They're supposed to know wine history. They're supposed to know wine geography. They're supposed to know, and the big thing comes with when you get to the upper echelon and the more hefty tests, you have what they call blind tastings, which is you basically, they basically give you or they pour you several wines, and you have to, by sight, smell, and taste, tell them where you think that wine is from. Wow. Well, I want to remind our guests or remind our audience that we are speaking now live with Mr. Chuck Jackson, Jr., who is a, a sommelier or a wine enthusiast and an importer. He is the man to go to for all things wine and spirit on Beyond Talk, where immersive learning, innovation, and product development meet. I'm Faith McKinney. I am America's number one personal media and brand strategist, and I welcome you to Beyond Talk. So please feel free to call in. If you have any questions for Mr. Jackson, call in. Our number is 646-716-7994. Again, our number 
to call in is 646-716-7994. And I'm going to continue our conversation about this. This is very fascinating. I love um, knowing that, you know, African-Americans are in such a, a niche um a niche industry and thriving. So, well, Mr. Yeah, go ahead, please. Well, no, there, especially here. Well, I'm based here in Detroit, and if you have not heard, Detroit is. Well, I've been back in Detroit since 1989. It's been up and coming since 1989, but the last 10 to 15 years have uh, shown exponential growth especially in the uh, in the hospitality and restaurant business. More hotels have opened up. More, more hotels are in the pipeline. Uh, more restaurants have opened up in the last five years and have probably opened up in the last 20. Um, I am now in the middle of probably three projects. One is slated to open very soon. It's called Bricks Wine and Charcuterie Boutique, where we're going to do unique wines, where the base wines are going to be $35 and under. But we will have what we call our our champagne room, which is also going to have some more high-end wines, which is everything over $35. Um, there are several wine bars that have opened up in Detroit in the past uh, two years, uh, we do have, and the company, the company that I work for is Black Owned, um, and then you have another wine shop called um, House of Pure Vin that's in downtown Detroit that is also Black Owned. So there is a lot of growth in this area, and I'm working on two other projects which hopefully will be up and running in the next two years. And those are multifaceted projects where, um, you know, one is probably going to be uh, a full-service restaurant uh, with wine and liquor service, and another one is going to be um, it's going to be more like a nightclub. Um, but there's there's a lot of growth going on here, a lot of African Americans, but I also don't just work for African-American companies, although I have, I've been approached more because I've established the, re, the relationships in the African-American community where they trust, they trust my decision-making as far as picking wines because they've always said, you know, where did you find this from? Where did you get this? I didn't know this existed. Where did you find this? Right. So, because you get them from all over the world and you help uh, little-known um people like the lady in uh, uh, Dominica get their products to the state. Yeah. I I just try to give exposure where exposure is needed. And, and again, it's just my love for uh, being kind of ahead of the curve. Uh, Because a lot of people don't know about certain wines from certain regions, from certain regions. Um, a lot of people are down in South America, um, and they're underestimating places like Chile. Um, there is – we just started sourcing wines from the Baja in, uh, in Mexico, from the Baja Peninsula in Mexico, which are excellent. Uh, but most people don't even know that they exist. Um, right. I never would have thought. <laughs> Baja, right. a winery. Right. But you you do know that around the world you have people that have been making wine for centuries, but um, because they've kind of gotten lost in the certification processes all around Europe, that you're just finding out about some of these wineries now because they've they've been the vines basically have been there for centuries, but they've changed hands so much that you know this may be the 10th year of the new ownership, but the vineyard has been there for 300 years. Wow. So, so are you are saying all... that the, the European certifications really um, let the uh, the other vineyards and the wineries from around the world, it, it kind of um, excluded them? Is, is well, this what you... happened? Is this why we're not hearing them? 
when you know about Chateau Latour, Chateau Marco, um, Chateau Lafitte, I mean, when you hear those names, those are the names that have over time established a reputation in France for producing great wines. But if you understand the geography of France and the various regions, even Chateau Margaux, there are several um, vineyards that are close to Chateau Margaux that are not actually part of the Chateau Margaux vineyards, but they're close enough to basically still benefit from the microclimate of Chateau Margaux. And the difference is people always talk about the winemaking process and over years you've developed this tradition and everything. But with technology, you're able to, you're able to replicate what the better winemakers have been doing on a smaller scale or in another place. So you're looking for grapes that are coming from roughly the same region and from a smaller vineyard and a lesser known vineyard you taste them and you taste to the bigger vineyard and you see if they're close. If they're close and Chateau Margot is going is retailing for three sixty a bottle and this vineyard right next door, the same bottle or a similar bottle that tastes similar is selling for thirty, which one are you gonna buy? You're gonna buy the, the less expensive one because right. uh it's the same, basically the same um, soil and the same climate, right? But right. Uh, yeah. a lot less, less cost. And basically, that's what a sommelier would be able to do for someone: is to expose you to Chateau Margaux and say, "Taste this," and then the vineyard that's right next door, they pour you a glass of that and say, "What do you? Which one would you prefer?" And what I would generally do in the tasting is I wouldn't even let you know which one was Marco and which one was the other one. And I'd let you determine which one you like better. And if you say they're close, they kind of taste they kind of taste the same. And like I always tell people, if you're not if you haven't been in the business for thirty years tasting all these wines, the difference between a Chateau Marco and a lesser vineyard that's not too far from it on your palate, it may taste roughly the same. And again, what I'm saying is Chateau Margot is an excellent wine for special events to show somebody how special they are. But if you want something to drink every day, you're probably going to want that $30 bottle. Or let's say there's another vineyard that's next to that lesser vineyard that's doing roughly the same thing the other two are doing, and it's $15 a bottle. So as a sommelier, oh, go ahead. Yes. No, but that's that's the reason why you do wine tastings is so that you can truly find out what you like and what you don't like. So what you find out what you like to hopefully guide you through that process, then it's actually the role of you have a bunch of wine experts that that are not sommeliers because actually I'm not certified. It's just the fact that I've been doing this for so long. I've actually, I can't say I've been grandfathered in, but there's a ton of sommeliers that basically say, yeah, he knows his stuff. We accept him. <laughs> you made the cut. So yeah. um, as far as, uh, you know, young African-Americans who are interested in getting into the uh, wine and spirits industry, uh, and they want to, um, you know, possibly learn how to do this. Um, what other types of, of um, uh, occupations are within the industry that that people might explore in order to um, in order to be exposed to this uh, the wine and spirits industry? What other types of um, jobs could there be? You are basically looking at uh, the culinary profession um food and wine spirits and wine beer and food spirits and food all those things roll together primarily because the fact that food is good by itself in most cases but the addition of pairing of wine or spirit or beer just heightens that experience 
So sometimes the best thing to get into would be the culinary arts. And in most cases, when you get into the culinary arts program, when you get into a culinary arts program, part of that curriculum will be a wine class, a spirit class, and a beer class to where they'll give you that basic exposure of how to pair the foods that you cook with those beverages. And then once you take those classes, then you're able to expand your knowledge. But the bottom line is you start in a culinary you start in a culinary program. And then you can branch out because once you get into a restaurant, you're automatically going to be exposed to the bar. And a lot of times you have a lot of sommeliers that basically started out as chefs, but then they decide to move move closer in the line. Okay, so um, I know you said that you mentioned that you found other uh, wine enthusiasts and vineyards and vintners on sites like LinkedIn. Where right. else do people like that hang out? Is there is there like a, a not a necessarily a, an association, but um, you know, if if one was to want, if one wanted to uh, be surrounded with other people who are like minded, um, how would they find them? What other kind of events would they go to? Um, you know, what are they interested in? Uh, not only in order to promote their wines, but um, just for enjoyment and, and other people who are like them, where do they hang out? There is a gentleman that created a website. His name is Eric Orange. He developed a a website called localwineevents.com. Localwineevents.com is almost like a one-stop shop globally for um, wine events that are being presented. Anybody that is setting up a wine tasting can actually go on that site, promote and sell tickets to their event through the site. But just about everybody goes there. Um, Major New York tastings are generally listed on local wine events, and it's broken down by country and also by state in the United States. Okay, I see it here. I think we have a listener as well. And if you're a listener, if you're on Beyond Talk Radio, um, please press 1 if you'd like to speak. Uh, If not, just please uh, go ahead and listen. Thank you for so much for calling in. And I'd like to thank everyone for uh, listening. Uh, And if you do want to call in, please, the number again is uh, 646-716-7994. Please Feel free to call in and press one if you like. If you have any questions for our guest, Mr. Chuck Jackson, who is uh, a wine enthusiast and really knows just about everything about uh, wine, wine making, and the business of wine and spirits. So please, um, I have the site wine and food events. Uh, is it localwineevents.com? Yes. Oh wait a minute. We're gonna we're gonna take a commercial break real quick. And then we'll go ahead okay. and, and after that we'll discover what's on the wine and food event site. Okay. You're on Beyond Talk. The stage one beginning. Foodlines Catering Inc. offers great food and desserts homemade to be delivered to your next event or celebration. You can choose to pick up or deliver. Book your next appointment today with Odalines Catering Inc. at 646-657-6640. Let us bring taste to your next celebration. All right. Thank you so much. And let's please um, uh, take, take hold of our, our, our advertisers here. Um, uh, let's use them. And, 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 um, but first, I want to make sure that we are uh, on the line with Mr. Tug Jackson, uh, wine yes. enthusiast, and we're on uh, the site for wine and food events. We're learning all about wine and the business of uh, wine and spirit. And Mr. Jackson is a wealth of knowledge. Um, let's see. And I'm in Indianapolis, so I ha- it immediately comes up uh, localwineevents.com, and it shows me everything that's going on, events yep. and festivals in Indianapolis. And 
what other things did we know um, to navigate this site? Um, well, the easiest thing is basically just to know exactly where you live, because as long as you know where <laughs> you live, um, to navigate the site is just finding out exactly what you're looking for, which is are you trying to find a wine or food event, and then it basically has a link here where it says find wine and food events, you hit it, and you basically, for me, it shows me all the stuff in southeastern Michigan, which is where I am, and mm-hmm. it talks about the Lafayette Market, Oktoberfest, and Beer Garden, the Big Great Bus Tour, which is a winery tour bus, then you have the Pioneer Wine Trail Holiday Open House. I spoke to you about a gentleman named John Burke. He was one of the premier wineries on the Pioneer Wine Trail when it first opened, and he's still going strong on, on the Pioneer Wine Trail. Uh, but basically, you know, you basically just you just go through and find your, um, you know, find your geographical area and see what's going on in your particular area. And I didn't know you were in Indianapolis. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, I am. what is it? Saturday, I will be in Greencastle, Indiana, going to my alma mater's uh, homecoming. And that is? DePaul the, University. DePaul. I didn't want to get it wrong. I thought that's what it was. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. And welcome back to Indiana. Yeah, that's uh, um, yeah, Indianapolis. I'm looking on uh, their events, and they have a lot of different events going on at different um, bars and breweries, and and a winery here in Indianapolis called Harmony Winery. They very um, seems like they have they're they're very active. So yes, we do have a vibrant community here. So if anyone wants to check that out, it's uh, localwineevents.com. That well, some people still thing. some people still don't understand how many local wineries are in basically every state of the union. If my research shows that there is at least one winery in every state of the union in the United States, and when you go into some states, there are more than others. When I first started doing wine here in Michigan, I think there are about twenty or thirty. Currently, there are over a hundred. It took. From the time I started doing wine tastings in the 80s, uh, when there were 20 or 30 in the state, now there's over 100. So, wow. and that's just and that's just Michigan. You go to Ohio, and there always have been like 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 160 or so wineries in Ohio. Um, the Midwest is just chock full of wineries, basically. So you just have to. Because uh, I didn't realize how many had popped up in Indian had, had popped up in Indiana until the last time I went. I was there about three weeks ago, because um, I was inducted into my alma mater's Hall of Fame for athletics, and so I was driving, and all of a sudden I'm going, "Well, dang, there's another winery. There's another winery." Mhm. So, and we uh, have a lot, and I'm looking on this site as well, and they have um, um, what is it? W S E T is is a level two wine certification, and this is happening okay. in Cleveland. So, of right. course, you have to go to level one first. Is that correct? correct? And then you go to level two. But, um, you know, if anyone's interested in, in wine education and, and uh, getting certified, that's certainly uh, where you really want to want to, uh, want to go. Yeah. So, are there um, anything – go ahead. Yeah, and on LinkedIn, there are tons, if you are a member of LinkedIn, there are tons of wine groups that you can join. And then once you join the groups, then you can interact with the other members. Um, Because actually, my, my networking started primarily online. In fact, that's how I met Andre Mack. We have been communicating online through LinkedIn and Facebook for over six years before we met last year face-to-face. And um, it's a situation where the one thing about social networking is, is that if you are serious, you can make some really serious connections. Um, 
that's how I met Selena Cuff from Heritage Link Brands. I was online in a group. I was in on LinkedIn in a group and was um, inboxing back and forth this one gentleman that I had never met, for, met before in my life. Um, next thing I know, he's telling me, well, you need to contact, you're in Michigan, you need to contact Selena Cuff. She's looking for a brand ambassador to help her launch her brands in Michigan. So we ended up talking about stuff, and I was a brand ambassador for about four months while she was going through the process of trying to get the wine in the state, but she had such a hard time getting the wine in the state. You know, she said, basically, I'm I'm wasting money trying to get it in Michigan because I'm making money everywhere else. But it was still one of those things that I was able to negotiate a job on LinkedIn through one of the wine, um, the wine-centered groups, and there's a ton of them. Wow. So, I mean, what you the service you provide is is very is incredibly valuable because I'm I'm sure there are a lot more Selena Cuffs around uh, that really need your help. So, how are people able to get in touch with you? What are your what's your contact info? Well, my contact info I actually have several email addresses. Uh, my primary email address is real easy. It's chuck at vinopapi.com. That's V-I-N-O-P-A-P-I.com. Um, but I also have a Gmail account that's uh, Chuck Jackson Jr., and the Jackson is spelled J-A-X-O-N. So it's C-H-U-C-K-J-A-X-O-N-J-R at gmail.com. And I also have an Outlook account at Poppy at outlook.com. Um, and my phone number is 313-505-3032. And Bye. you can reach out to me, any vehicle that you choose. I'm all over Facebook. Um, I have a local, well, I mean, I have a Domain Detroit Brands um, business page. Um, I have, I'm actually the manager of the Uptown Toast business page, which is a monthly wine tasting that we do on the Avenue of Fashion here in Northwest Detroit every month. Um, okay. What else? And I have a of course, LinkedIn. Of course, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Of course, LinkedIn. And I'm also, what is that, the Mahogany Tasters on Facebook, Fino Poppy on Facebook. Okay. Well, let's see. I have, uh, let me make sure I have all that information at <laughs> Jackson Jr. at gmail.com. And um, let's see, Vino Poppy at out. Uh, and then Chuck yeah. at com. Okay, Chuck at Vino Poppy, and then Chuck Jackson at Chuck Jackson with an X Junior at Gmail dot com. But I think the best way to get in touch with you probably is through LinkedIn because that way you'll be able to connect with all the other groups as well and and make Correct. connections there. Correct. Well, that's I'm, fantastic. Yes. Is it what? No, I'm, I'm, I've basically joined just about every wine centered LinkedIn group that I can find. So. Um, if, you, if, if you're my contact on LinkedIn, and right now I've got 3,500 contacts on LinkedIn. So if you're con- if you're one of my contacts, you I can steer you to the groups that you need to become a part of, um, link you to the people that you need to know within the business. Because I mean, my stuff is international right now as far as the people that I know, especially my contacts on LinkedIn. Well, Mr. Jackson, I want to thank you so much for joining us on Beyond Talk. I learned so much, and I hope our audience did too. I want to thank our audience for joining us on Beyond Talk, where uh, we want you to be moved to do. I thank you for joining us. And our opening uh, our opening uh, act was uh, Will I. And uh, I want to thank also Ms. Jack- Jacqueline Taylor Adams, and Mr. Jason Moore, our founder of Deeds. We are Beyond Talk Radio. Have a wonderful evening, and we'll catch you next time. Oh, 
I'm sorry, how can we also interact with the travel industry? Mr. Jackson, that's a question for you. Oh, the travel industry. Well, if you're trying to do travel, I started out doing charter bus tours and because I worked in the hotel business. That's that's easier than, than you think. If you contact me, I should be able to uh, also get you information on on travel, especially if it's related to food, wine, and spirits. All right. Well, you heard it here first on Beyond Talks. Thank you so much for joining us. Our time is through. You have a wonderful evening, and we'll see you next time. Good night. Good night.